Hello everybody! Hi, it's Matt, and we are back with another Unscripted on the Serato Twitch. Um, if you're just tuning in, or if you've never tuned in, uh, this is the Unscripted series where we interview really awesome people, really awesome musicians, DJs, and creative folks, and we get to talk about what they're up to. Um, and today, our guest has been a bright light for me, at least over the last few years of the pandemic, with her many music performances providing inspirational clips to help us pick up whatever instruments we have around and at least have a go at them. Um, and she's also just released her new album, Duality, which is a fully realized album that blends indie rock, uh, hip-hop, orchestral elements, uh, with fantastic songwriting. She's uh, super talented and a lovely, inspirational person. So please welcome to the show multi-instrumentalist, producer, and songwriter, Luna Lee, to the show. <laughs> welcome. Hello. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a guest Thanks today. Thank for having me. Of course. Um, so, um, yeah, congratulations on the release of your album, Duality. How does it feel to have it out? It's really great. It was a really, really long time in the making. Um, so it was a long buildup for me, lots of anticipation, and it feels awesome to finally have it out in the world. And how, how has it been performing these songs in your recent shows? So great. It was our first run of headline tour ever. So, like, we never had done real headline stuff before I had done kind of like small Toronto shows and we did the Japanese breakfast tour in the fall but this was really the first time where like people were really coming out and buying tickets to see me play um so it was really really special I had a great time that's so awesome um I gotta ask you about actually two shows in particular you did the 88 rising festival last year and mm -hmm. of course you just mentioned the Japanese breakfast uh tour can you tell us a little bit about those two specific events maybe starting with the 88 rising yeah, for sure. 88 Rising has been an amazing platform and supporter of me, and it was so, so cool to be able to play their festival. I got to play the main stage. It was my first big festival ever, and it was like a really huge stage. There was like a catwalk and everything, which I was not expecting, but once we got there, I was like, I have to use the catwalk in some way. <laughs> um, so I like managed to finagle a wireless mic for myself so that I could use it um and yeah it was just really really fun really crazy really well put together festival we had such a good time just being a part of it going to see the shows over the weekend and like i was really happy too just because i watched so many asian women play that weekend which was like you know something that was more rare to see in the past for me so it was very fulfilling that's so awesome. And that's quite a, I mean, like you said, you were playing shows around Toronto and then you're playing on this big, massive stage. What was that kind of like, just get it, was it hard to get comfortable with at first or did you just feel like you took to it like a fish to water? Um, well, you mentioned this one first, but it was like directly after we had just done the Japanese breakfast tour for six weeks. So we were sort of like tight from that and I was comfortable being on stage from that and used to kind of playing to bigger crowds, but it, yeah, it definitely was a new thing, especially with festival sets, because like you get like such a limited sound check. Everything was like it was like 15 minutes before the show and we were still oh, sound checking and getting everything together and running around backstage. So it was just like very chaotic, but um, felt really good, too. That's awesome. That's going to be so thrilling. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just want to give a quick shout out to a couple people that are in the chat right now. Thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Sonny James always helping us out in the chat and helping us produce the show. Uh, I'm going to say this name probably wrong, but not Z Kaipu. Um, welcome. JMKM, my big friend from uh, Toronto. Thank you so much for tuning in. We were actually talking about you, Luna, uh, in an interview I did with JMKM. We were talking about how cool it is to see people using TikTok in such a cool, creative way, and you are a perfect example of that. Um, we've also got... <laughs> Uh, Soon I am Kim in here and DJ Sophie Noam. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about Japanese Breakfast because she, so what I what I understand is she reached out to you to, to ask you to be on tour for. Is that right? Yes. How did that feel? It was so cool. Really amazing. I was such a big Japanese Breakfast fan and still am. But um, yeah, I had like really looked up to her over the years before. And I think she just found me from one of my jam videos online. She started following me on Instagram. But yeah, as I mentioned, I had been such a big fan of hers. I had been to her shows. She was like one of my first inspirations in terms of like seeing someone 
who look like me being on stage and feeling represented in that way. So it was a really, really meaningful thing that she reached out and I was so excited. I was in the studio at the time um, and I just got the call and was like dancing around and screaming in the studio. Um, yeah, I really couldn't believe it. And like at the time I was sort of, I was kind of in disbelief too, just because it was still uh 2021 I guess early 2021 and like we weren't even sure if the shows were going to be happening because of COVID and stuff like that um but we ended up being able to do it and we did all the shows and everyone stayed healthy the whole time which was such a blessing oh yeah that's a miracle honestly yeah it really was <laughs> I just want to take a quick moment to notice how well we've coordinated not only our outfits but also our backgrounds with the uh yeah the we <laughs> that too that we're so really matching well. <laughs> it's perfect um, so when you went on tour with her, did that um, help inform the the record that you, the duality record that you uh, that you made? So my record was actually a work in progress over the last four years, and I started recording it in 2018 um, when it was a little tiny baby of a record, and it's just slowly evolved so much over the four years. Um, but by the Japanese Breakfast tour, it was pretty much done. We just had one more piece of the puzzle to fill, which was that Biba Doobie had added her parts and she had recorded her collaboration remotely and we had to mix it. So on the tour, we were in Seattle and we rented a studio there um, because Brayden, who is the producer of the album, also um, plays drums in my band. So yeah, we made the album together and he mixed it with me in a studio in Seattle. And so that was part of the tour, but before that, pretty much the whole album was done by then. Oh, cool. So um, I just want to give a quick shout out to Seattle. I'm, I'm coming to you live from Vancouver right now. And of course, Seattle has a dear part of my heart for obviously a lot of the music, sub pop. Um, did you have any influence as Seattle? Would you can cite Seattle and sub pop and influence in your music at all? Honestly, I'm not that familiar with Seattle. <laughs> uh, this is my very first time being there when we were on the Japanese breakfast tour. Yeah, I'm also Canadian from Toronto and um, spent a lot of time just very localized to the Toronto music scene here. So that's kind of where I drew my first influence and inspiration from. Shout out Toronto local music scene. So, <laughs> so vibrant and so good. Yes. Um, and so um, you just recently put the, a vinyl copy of your record. I saw recently on Twitter, um, you went to a store to pick up a vinyl copy of the record. How did that feel? So incredible. Um, it was so exciting to me to have vinyl for the very first time and be able to hold it in my hands, especially after four years of working on it. And I went to a record store, Sonic Boom in Toronto, which is a record store that I had gone to as a teen. Like I've lined up there for record store day when I was 15 years old. And it was just so cool to be able to go there and see my own record on the shelf. So awesome. Do you remember your like the first record you ever bought? You ever bought, sorry. <laughs> um, I think, I don't know what my first record was, but the very first CD I ever bought was Let Go by Avril Lavigne. Canadian queen. <laughs> um, yeah, she, I loved her music when I was like 10. She was like my idol, my inspiration, my everything. Shout out Avril Lavigne. That's the, that's the yeah. OG right there. <laughs> yes. That's so great. awesome. So um, can you t t t talk about the, uh, the title of the album and, and what it means to you? It's, it's called Duality. What does, that, what does that mean to you? So Duality was the title that basically I had to come up with after the album was finished because for me in the creative process, usually the titles always come last. And so it was also weird to have to kind of draw a line through all the tracks because they were all tracks that I had worked on over several years. And I wanted to find a title that would encompass everything and fit it all together. So I was doing a bit of a brainstorm and I was thinking back on a conversation I had had with my producer Brayden and he had kind of mentioned that he noticed that none of the songs were ever really about just one thing. Like if it was sad lyrics, it was a happy tune or like if it was a happy song, there would always be like a weird element of uncertainty or an anxiety or something like that. And so I was thinking about that and doing a big brainstorm in my notebook and the word duality came up. Um, 
and it really didn't like stand out to me as an option at first, but I started thinking about it more and how it really applied to me, not only as a musician, but in my identity as well. And I thought about how it reflected my classical background, kind of mixing with these newfound like pop and rock sounds that I was blending together because that had been a struggle for me, like learning how to make those two worlds connect and work together. Um, so that was one element of it. And then the other element was like my ethnicity, being half Korean and half Canadian and um, I guess balancing those two things throughout my life and figuring out how I felt about my identity and finding a place for myself in, a, in the world was a very big theme on this album as well. So yeah, as I thought about it more, I was like, this is the album title. It's a really great title. Um, and it's really cool to hear how it, it really encompasses so many parts of your life too. Um, JMKM mm -hmm. shouts out the Hapa gang, big shout out Hapa gang. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's really cool because yeah, you, you do play, I mean, I've, we're going to get to this a little bit later, but yeah, your music is very, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different influences going on. And I imagine that is always a challenge to try and focus on, on one thing um, without sacrificing mm -hmm. the other. Um, so I first heard about you actually um, from your short videos um, during the pandemic. And um, and I was really, really, really inspired by them. It was it was so cool to see them. And, and there's such a great uh, energy being communicated through those videos. Um, what was the motivation like during the pandemic behind that? Well, I had sort of started making videos like that prior to the pandemic and, but they were more like guitar solo videos. I would cover guitar solos. Sometimes I would make little backing tracks for them. And so that that's kind of where it started. But then when the pandemic hit, I was like, wow, I have so much time now. Like I don't have to go to work. I don't have to leave my house. Like how am I gonna fill my time? And um, I thought about the videos and how People just really liked them when I posted them and I wanted to go further with it. So I basically sat down and like for the first two weeks of the pandemic, really just like made so many of them um, and just honed in on it and perfected the format. Um, and yeah, also my friend Count Cole was also like doing a lot of beat videos around that time. And we collabed on a couple of them and we I guess we're messaging and he was like, you should do more of them like they'll change your life. So that was an inspo for me, too. Yeah, shout out the count. His drum packs are always impressive, and he makes so great good. videos too. Hey, yeah. But um, like the process of figuring out like um how to film it and stuff. Like I, I mean, I've struggled with that so much myself. I've spent countless hours trying to figure out which software to use. You know, how was that? Was you know how was that challenging you for you? Um, I actually really love like filming and editing stuff. Like I never really talk about it, but when I was a kid, I used to like make basically these little short films with my brothers and I would like edit them together on my computer and do a bunch of cool effects and titles and that kind of thing and like it seems so silly but like that's truly where I like first learn how to edit things together and I guess I just had that experience to pull on when I was making these jam videos so it kind of came naturally to me um which is hilarious because those videos are so silly <laughs> but uh it ended up being applicable in a real way. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly like not only is the music, the musicality of it so impressive, but just the way you've put it all together and edited is like really, really, I mean, it's yeah, it's kind of mind blowing. I was like, I don't know how you're doing all this stuff. So if you've got any <laughs> tips, like we're definitely down to know, are you using like uh, iMovie or Final Cut or something like that? I use iMovie. It kind of sucks to be honest, but <laughs> I just never upgraded. Um, and I've kind of like, figured out how to make it work for me in the fastest way possible. I'm sure I could be a lot faster if I upgraded my software, but iMovie does the trick. Um, <laughs> yeah, I kind of just like I record the audio into Logic as I'm playing and then just set up my camera and then sync it up together in iMovie and cut up all the clips and stuff like that. So it does take a while. Like I think a lot of people see those kind of videos and just assume that, you know, it's a casual thing that took me an afternoon or whatever, but it does take a lot of time and effort um to kind of go really go through all the steps of creating it yeah i think i'm so glad you said that it, i think uh it's really important to manage people's expectations because yeah like yes. like i said i've tried to do them and even just trying to figure out going from like horizontal to like the vertical style that took that was like a total brain freak. I, mean, <laughs> I could not figure that out for the longest time yeah it's uh it's a lot 
Yeah, so I, I want to say thank you so much for, for making those videos because they were really, uh, really inspiring and uplifting and we were all kind of navigating uh, some pretty dark times there. I'm actually going to um, pull one up uh, from thank your you. TikTok if you don't mind. Um, for and sure. I'll just play that for everybody. Hold on a second. Let's bring that back. Um, one second, here we go. All right, I'm going to try and, try and work this as best as I can since we're not on the app, but... This is the Cloud Castle Jam. Yeah, those are so impressive. <laughs> so amazing. Give it up Thank for you. give it up for little Lee on that one. We gotta give it some applause right <laughs> That actually has a count sample in it, the count tambourine. This oh. classic sound. Nice. Shout out the count. <laughs> yeah, he even puts his drums up for free sometimes, right? Like you can even get free packs. Yeah, yeah. so great. Um, so yeah, I feel like those videos like really highlighted like your incredible musical talents and versatility, your mastery of the guitar, the violin and heart was like really on display. Um, I'd really, I'm cu really curious to hear a bit more about your influences, like, uh, like musically speaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like I have a classical background and I grew up doing classical piano and violin and my mom's run a music school together and I was able to kind of grow up taking lots of different types of lessons there. Um, so the, that's where the like violin and stuff kind of comes in and the keyboard stuff too. Like I just, that's where my background lies. Um, but in terms of influences, like someone who really influenced me is Kate, Kevin Parker of Tame Impala, another multi-instrumentalist and like Kind of as a teen, I, I listened to his music a lot and thought it was so cool that he recorded everything himself um, and played everything himself on the records. So that was definitely a, a major influence for me. And you can see that I have the J Mascus Jazz Master, which was my first <laughs> guitar that I bought because he also plays one. <laughs> oh man, I love that guitar so much. The the Jazz Master yeah. is such a so good. Yeah, such a cool looking like the shape of it is just so classic. Yeah, it's so good. It's really cool. Um. Have, have you heard of an artist called Dorothy Ashby? Yes. Yeah. So, so she's one of my favorite harpists and her album Afro Harpin has been sampled lots by hip hop artists. Do you mind if we just play uh, one of her songs real quick? Yes, please do. Okay. Um, so, sorry, I don't think you were able to hear me, but that's all we can play of Dorothy Ashby for now. Um, but, man, what a vibe Dorothy Ashby has, hey? Yeah. She's truly harp royalty. <laughs> so incredible. Yeah, um, she's definitely an inspiration for me. I feel like um, my I could never even think about aspiring to that level of playing on the harp because it was just an instrument that I picked up maybe five years ago. So it's more new for me. Um, but yeah, she's truly so amazing. Because would you say that the harp is typically a classical instrument? So she really took it out of that traditional kind of context and then re recontextualized it with like modern 
sound, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's so cool. Is that, I love the blending of those two sounds. Yeah, is that something that you, you're trying to do in, with your music and, and the use of the harp? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I ever intended to play the harp classically. I'm like looking at it over there <laughs> in the corner of my room. Um, yeah, I never intended to play it classically. It was always um, intended to be a part of like my sound as an artist. Um, but someone who influenced me specifically was the harp, with the harp was Maylee Todd. She's a Toronto artist and um, my bandmate Shar used to dance in her show. Um, so I used to go see her play and she did this one show called The Virtual Womb in Toronto, which was like a really cool show where basically everyone would like lie on the floor and look at projections on the ceiling and she would just play the harp and play her songs. And it was so magical and beautiful. And um, she played like a mini harp, which was, I guess, the first time that I realized that it was kind of more possible to pick up because I had never really, like I had always always loved the harp, but I never considered getting a harp because they're so, so big and expensive and like inconvenient. Um, and it just felt like too big of a barrier uh, to be able to like actually just try it. But yeah, that was kind of when I first realized there's mini ones available. And then I rented one for a month and could not let it go after that. That's awesome. I'm so glad you brought up Maylee Todd. Um, shout out Maylee. She just dropped an album yeah. as well. Um, I was hoping to go to her release party in, um, in LA. I wasn't able to make it, but it was just this last Friday, actually. And that album's out on Stone's Throw Records, which are also good friends of ours. And uh, yeah, she's an incredible musician. She actually, surprise kind of tangent here, she actually has a Serato record. She has uh, a Do-Right record. Um, was, Do-Right was the record label, and she put a single out on the Serato pressings. Um, so yeah, big cool. love to Maylee Todd. We love Maylee for yeah, sure. Big shout out. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man, I keep on forgetting like how much great talent there is in Toronto. You just, you're surrounded yeah. by such amazing people. Such a great city. And and similarly actually to her, you know, I find your music transcends, um, transcends a lot of genre descriptions. Um, and I also kind of was thinking that you have like a sort of element of even stereo lab in there. I'm not too sure if you like them, but- I do. Yeah, they're so good too. Do you, do you consider um, like how do you how would you describe your style of music? Um, I kind of made up this genre name called angel pop, which is what I use now, because <laughs> I don't know, it just was too difficult to try and categorize it into something that was like a more conventional name, and I felt like, I guess, inventing something was basically allowing me to make it whatever I wanted it to be. So yeah, that's angel pop. I feel like the reason for choosing the word angel is like the harp and the string sound just feel very dreamy and angelic. And um, I guess pop is kind of like an all encompassing, <laughs> like, I don't know, everyone can be pop now. But um, yeah, so usually I say that, but yeah, of course there are so many different influences pulling from my classical background, like pop rock and hip hop, as you mentioned, and jazz too, so it's too tough to try and like categorize it in one of those terms. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like a lot of genre terms are just really don't do a, do a bit of a disservice to what you're trying to create. Um, yeah. We've got not Zeke. We've got, uh, we got someone in here saying angel pop is on the rise for real, for real. <laughs> <laughs> so absolutely. Yeah. I love that. That's such a, a nice descriptor of it too. And, and especially because yeah, there's so much lush strings and, and, and the instrumentation, I mean, that's one of the things I really do love about your music is there's a lot of really beautiful harmony being used in there. There's, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, less conventional uh, chords. And, and, and I can definitely tell there's a lot of strong jazz influence in there as well, which is easily one of my favorite things about, you know, popular music. When you get those <laughs> jazz harmonies in there, it's so nice. Um, I also really like the way you use drum machines in your music along with all these natural and real musical uh, instruments. And, and can you tell me about your relationship with drum machines? Yeah, I guess like for this record in particular, the process was that I would write a song and I would demo it and in the demo, like flesh it out as much as I could. And then I would bring it to my producer, Brayden, and we would basically re-record it and redo it in the studio with him playing the drums and bass and me playing everything else, the violin, harp, keyboards, guitars, vocals. Um, and so with my demos, like I was using drum machine quite a bit because I didn't have like a real drum setup at home. I didn't have at the time access to a lot of like good drum sounds. So kind of the easiest thing was to stick in 
a drum machine. And then when I brought it to the studio, we um, decided to keep that sound and have Brayden play his drums over top. Um, yeah, just blending the two. So nice. that definitely became a big part of the sound, the drum sound of the record. That's so cool. It's really great to hear your, your process for how you write these songs too, because um, there is one great story. Uh, if you don't mind, we'll go on a bit of a ta tangent here, but um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of the band Fleetwood Mac and they actually, their big song um, off Rumors, uh, oh man, dr uh, shoot. You know, you, you know the one. Was that <laughs> dreams? Dreams, yes. So the story. I've, have you heard the story about how that song was? I don't know what happened there, but we're back. Um, thank you so much for joining me back. Um, <laughs> we were just talking about the Fleetwood Mac song "Dreams," and uh, that was written by Stevie Nicks. And uh, from what I understand, she wrote that song to a drum machine, um, and and they couldn't. They didn't. They tried to replace the drum machine with live drums. They couldn't replace the drums with live drums. But they. So what they did is they got. The drummer to play like just one one phrase you know like a loop and then they they looped it it was one of the original one of the first examples of uh of looping drums i guess on record so cool. did so, not know that <laughs> i'm gonna think about that the next time i listen to that song right and it's crazy because i think they talk about how they tried really hard to try and get the drummer just to play the same phrase over and over again but because of we're humans you know we tried to like improvise and we try to yeah. do things and it was like, no, we just need a really steady beat the whole song. So they just, they just kind of figured a way around it, I guess. But that's cool. Yeah, I love that song. And Stevie Nicks, what a great songwriter too, hey? Absolutely. Um, so um, you're talking a little bit about how you created the, the songs, and I, I really liked your Jams EP a lot. And and I noticed that there were a lot of the songs that you had you demoed on on these one minute videos. Um, and then I, I noticed that some of them became songs later, like uh, Flower, for example. Yes. Yeah. That one did become a song. <laughs> Were there any others? Um, I don't think so. I'm trying to think if like I made any that didn't make it or didn't get released yet, but I don't think I I don't think I did. I would definitely consider doing it again. It was a really fun process. I mean, I think when I did Flower, I was I made the jam and the song around the same time because I started making the jam and I was like, I really feel like this could be more. It feels like it really lends itself to having vocals on top and I could really picture that for this one. And so I just like set aside the jam session and then created a new session and started building it out and really just like recorded it all. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to think, but I think it was, I think it was the same day. I just made the same, I made them both in the same day. <laughs> oh, wow. Cause I yeah. feel like, um, for me, at least, getting vocals on a song is really a very tough part. Like you can make the song and you can feel happy about it. How is how do you how do you approach writing vocals to songs that you've made? Um, I sometimes I write poetry and they end up becoming lyrics, um, and then other times I just kind of sit there and jam and sing melodies and see what comes out and do kind of a stream of consciousness thing, which can be really interesting sometimes because. Sometimes lyrics will come out and I'll be like, oh, I didn't realize I was thinking about that or worrying about that or having this specific feeling that I, I guess, wasn't really conscious before. And so something sometimes interesting stuff comes out of that process. That's so awesome. Um, let's let's actually play uh, the flower demo and then uh, maybe later on we'll play the full song. But I really want to just uh, highlight the flower jam real quick, if you don't mind. I've got cool. that. Absolutely. Right here. Let's just pull this up. Hopefully my internet is, is not going <laughs> to gap on me again. Here we go. Oh, volume's down. Here we go. One more time. don't mind actually we'll just go straight into the the full version let's do it 
All right, so we're going to have to keep it kind of short because, you know, again, <laughs> we don't want to get muted. Um, but <laughs> what's really cool about that, I just realized, is how you took the, the guitar melody and then you recontextualized that with, with words, right? Yeah, I think it was actually the reverse. I hadn't oh, okay. written that guitar part yet. And I did the vocals on the full song and then I went back to finish the jam because they were happening simultaneously. Um, and I was like, I want to do a little guitar solo thing here. What should it be? And then I decided to um, just play the vocal melody there. So, yeah. And a little shredding at the end too was super dope. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Always got to have a little bit of shredding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, the other question I wanted to ask about the Jams EP is like a lot of them are just instrumentals, no vocals. Um, how did you, how would you feel if somebody had sampled some of those or, or performed over them since they were mostly instrumental? That'd be really cool. I love to see, like, sometimes, sometimes people will do edit on TikTok or Instagram or whatever and add their own little part on top. And I love seeing that. I think it's really cool to see how people interpret the songs and, um, how they add their own little spin on it. Absolutely. Um, and and if you know, do you do you like collaborate? I mean, you've got a, a a number of really great collaborations on Duality. Do you like uh, collaborating with artists? I do. I love collaborating with artists. It's definitely something that's a bit newer for me. Um, just with, in general, with most of Duality and all the stuff that I've done in the past was like all me writing the stuff, and then um, yeah, just kind of with no writing collaborators, anything like that. But. Uh, yeah, it's a new door that I'm walking into and it's been cool to open up my creative process in that way. Okay, so the, the million dollar question is, um, if you could collaborate with anyone in the world, who would you want to collaborate with? I would love to collab with Kevin Parker. I think it'd be so cool to make something together. Shout out Kevin Parker, Tame Impala. <laughs> You've heard it here first, so let's make that a reality at some point. <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> he does a lot of collaborations too. I've noticed that like he's done some stuff. He with, does. Uh, Theophilus London, and he did uh, actually. He did some really great music with SZA that hasn't come out officially, from what oh. I know. Which I can't wait for that. Yeah, if we got to get that. That's got to happen one of these days. Definitely. Um, and then so with your band, you're you're on tour with the band. Was is that is that a collaborative process? Have you collaborated with the people in the band before? Or how did you guys all meet up? Yeah, so basically there's Brayden, who's the producer, who also drums in the band. And then the other members of the band have been playing with me for a few years and, well, several several years actually now, um, just because we started together in the Toronto music scene, kind of coming up there. Um, but it's a bit of a convoluted story, actually. Um, I had my boyfriend Jacob playing in the band um, at first, and then... He, I kind of like kicked him out and brought in his sister instead because I was trying, to, I was trying to bring in women. Um, so his sister came in, and her husband is Brayden, the drummer. Okay. So it's kind of like a family thing, and then she also brought in her friend Shar, who's still in the band. Um, and his sister Hallie is not in the band anymore. So there's been some like in and outs. Um, and then my friend Serena now plays bass, who um, was also just like very active in the Toronto music scene, playing a lot of shows. And yeah, it was important to me to bring in women. So um, I definitely like sought them out. And uh, and yeah, so it's the four of us. Absolutely. And we've got to celebrate women and music. It's Women's History Month this, this month, I believe. So definitely a lot of the people we've been talking about, too, if you're not familiar with them, Dorothy Ashby, um, obviously Stevie Nicks all women artists too. So yeah, make, let's try and make more room for women in this, in this industry. We already know it's a major problem. So we've got to change that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and um, one of the coolest things I found on your TikTok actually was your, your younger self playing in a high school band. Um, do you mind if I, put, <laughs> if I play that? Is that cool? Yeah, it's okay. actually from when I was in elementary school. I think I was 10. Okay. <laughs> this is really yeah. cool. It's so endearing. So I want to pull this up real quick. <laughs> Um, and this is, I think you're covering, um, what was it? This is you. I know that there's one where you're covering your hero, Alvaro Levine, but this one yeah. is of Britney Spears. This one Spears. is Toxic. Yeah, Toxic by Britney Spears. So, I knew you were going to play that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a jam. I, everyone loves Toxic. Uh, so let's, let's, let's rock out to that for one minute. Oh, sorry. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. 
so that's the classic clip right there um <laughs> i totally forgot i posted that too that's it's so funny. good i love it so much i love the keyboard it's like so sharp and piercing <laughs> yeah exactly it sounds really punk like uh question mark in the steering or something <laughs> so do you still um so are you still in touch with those the band members there no maybe i should reach out to them and see how they're doing yeah absolutely those guys are cool i'm, I'm really stoked yeah. on that performance it's like a it's totally a good cover like i would definitely rock that <laughs> yeah it was a program at my mom's music school they had like a rock band program so that's that was our performance there so hey let's talk about your mom because you've mentioned she's a music teacher um she must have been super influential like coming up can you talk about can you talk about your relationship with your mom yeah, for sure. Yeah, so she plays the piano and like just as a baby, there was always music in the house. She was always playing the piano. She also around that time was teaching classes for kin or yeah, kindergarten classes, I think, for um, just like toddler music and stuff like that. And uh, so she had all these like circle games and songs that she would do with me and my brothers. And it was like, yeah, just music all around. And then when I was a little older, like maybe 10 or 11, she joined her partner in running her partner's music school um and now they run it together and kind of ever since then it's just been like always being surrounded by these this community of teachers and students and so much music going on all the time so it's really really great to have their support it makes such a big difference what sort of music was is your mom into or was is into currently even um i guess like the stuff that i grew up with her kind of playing on the piano is like just classical stuff um she was into like kind of canadian i guess song singer songwriters and stuff like she was into jane sibbery um who i now know and she's my boyfriend's godmother too as a big wow. coincidence um but yeah and then my dad was also like kind of a big music guy and still is and has like a big catalog of songs on his itunes and we would grow up with him listening to like a lot of beatles and hits of the 70s and 80s yeah, I mean, I think having mentorship like that at a young age with music must be so helpful, right? Yeah, it makes such a big difference. It's interesting to think about like nature versus nurture with music because I've always felt so connected to music and it's been something that like has really come naturally to me. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I guess, wonder if it's like part of my DNA or if it really was about those formative years and having mu music all around me as a baby. Yeah, I think about that myself all the time. <clears throat> Did you guys ever... <laughs> play like it as as a family did you guys ever perform it together in any way <laughs> no we did not do the von trap family <laughs> group but um yeah i mean at christmas me and my mom and my brother play together my brother plays cello and my other brother plays drums but he usually doesn't participate usually it's just me on the violin and my brother on cello and my mom on the piano we do a little trio and play christmas tunes and we call our family and play them we wish you a merry christmas but that's oh, kind nice. of the extent of it otherwise we don't really play together <laughs> that's so awesome though uh such a yeah. cool thing to be able to share that with your family um do, do you have any any aspirations to open a music school or, or mentor anybody uh in music I mean, I don't think I would ever open my own music school, like just being on the side, this side of things and like seeing my parents do it. It's so much work and takes so much dedication. And I'm already so busy with Luna Lee stuff. Um, but I did teach at their music school from 2015 to 2021. So I did have that chunk of my life where I was working with kids a lot and and teaching kids. And I really, really enjoyed that. And I think I definitely see myself bringing that back into my life in some way over the next little while. Cool. I think uh, somebody, Sunam Kim, just mentioned uh, Lucas played on Duality. Is that your is that your brother? That's my dad commenting. Oh. And, <laughs> and Lucas is, yeah. Actually, I should have mentioned that. Lucas, my brother, played cello on Duality. I brought him into the studio and he played cello on, I think, six of the songs. Oh, wow yeah hey shout out dad too big up dad supportive dads are rad um yes has 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 your mom and dad been to your shows yet oh yeah they've been to a lot of my shows <laughs> I guess um, so, hey? especially like you know coming up in the toronto music scene i used to play shows like probably twice a week so there was a lot of shows happening and they definitely came to a bunch of them that's awesome um so if you could give yourself um you know, a young, your younger self, any, any advice or anyone who's looking up to you, you know, what would, what would that be? 
I would say just like work hard, but don't stress too much about it. Like just trust that everything's going to be fine and it's going to work out. I think like putting that energy out is so important. And I definitely look, look back on myself like when I was 18, like getting so stressed and worked up about like, you know, making music and making it work and all that stuff and like going through much so, so much emotional turmoil. And like looking back, I'm like, it didn't have to be like that. I could have just like still put in the work and like, but just, you know, trusted that it was going to work out. And I think um, I still like need to implement that in my life and need to remind myself of that. But um, that's definitely something that looking back, I would say. Yeah, it's really easy to put a lot of expectations on ourselves, especially creative people. Um, so yeah, I totally sure. relate to that. Um, would you recommend people like, you know, one of the things I, I really loved about your story is, you know, you put yourself on, you know, you put these compositions on TikTok and, and Twitter. And that was a really great way for people to engage with you without knowing that you also made, you know, an album, for example. Was, was, would you recommend mm -hmm. people embrace the technology in that way to, to put themselves out there and give people a taste of what they can do? I definitely think so. I mean, like doing those jams, as the count predicted when he messaged me, it did change my life because that's when Japanese Breakfast connected with me. She found me from that. And like so many other things happened as a result of those jams being seen, seen online. And even though it wasn't like the, I guess, straight, forward path for me it was such an interesting way to go because I never um, expected myself to make instrumental music I had always pictured myself making music with lyrics and it was really really cool to see that I could do that and it was something that people liked and people were really supportive of so I think it's definitely cool to utilize the technology and see where you can go with it because it may open some doors you never would have expected Absolutely. That that's actually the the funny thing was that initially when we when JMKM and I were talking, she was trying to explain to me. I at the time I had I was like really unsure about TikTok, and I think in the last you know year or two that a lot has changed with that. But um, it's been such a great tool for discovering artists and 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 learning about new artists and and uh, and it's yeah it's a very interesting platform and Instagram and Twitter and all these other social medias. Not to you know take a pick a favorite or anything, but. <laughs> Yeah, the way the way they use them, I think, is just so so inspiring. And I and I was gonna say it, it's definitely inspired me to try and understand how to use it better myself. So I think it's a great idea. Um, we have one question that we ask every guest who comes on the show, and I'd really like to ask you for your take on it. Uh, and that is, what does the power of music mean to you? I think that music is really just all powerful to me. I feel like it's the reason that I am on this earth, and. I think it just transcends almost anything like it connects people it makes people feel less lonely it can evoke any emotion in anyone um no matter who they are and i think that's it's all powerful absolutely absolutely yeah it's the universal language yes yeah. exactly and you're definitely quite a spiritual person i noticed there's a lot of like cool um magical elements like you said angel pop and things like that which is really really cool to see and it's it's, it's it works so well with that music and and those environment those kind of energies are so complementary. Um, yeah, sure. So um, I guess the one thing I wanted to ask is like, what's what's coming up? I know that you you've just been on the road. What's what's coming up next for Luna Lee? Um, going back on the road in a couple of weeks. Um, we're supporting Biba Doobie on some of her California shows, which I'm looking forward to. Um, and then just more touring down the line. I have stuff lined up for the summer and for the fall. Um, it's not announced yet, but you can keep an eye out to see when it is. And I'm starting to think about what I want to be making next. It's really cool to have duality out in the world finally and feel like I have a fresh slate to start new on the next project. Awesome. And yeah, if you're in the chat right now and you want to learn about uh, Luna Lee, you can definitely follow uh, her in the chat. You just type an exclamation point follow and it will pull up a link to her Instagram. Um, also, her you can listen to her album Duality. It's a, a link for whatever platform you use. And also her, a link to her Bandcamp where you can find out her tour dates and you can buy uh, and listen to her music, which is definitely my preferred platform for purchasing music. Would you agree? Yeah, I yeah. would agree. Yeah, Bandcamp. And it's Bandcamp Friday on Friday. Hey, there we go. So yeah, if you need if you need to cop anything, Friday is your day. Everyone gets a hundred percent of the revenue. Um, all the artists get a hundred percent of the revenue for anything purchased on Bandcamp, which is just the nicest thing 
for musicians because we're always getting a little bit taken off the top. So we yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> um, there was one actually one question I forgot to ask. And if you do have questions in the chat, um, now is your time to ask these questions. Um, and that was, uh, I guess, I guess going back to when we talked about the Jams EP and collaborating with people, um, do, you know, and the Count as well, uh, who's made great sound packs. Is that ever something that you'd do? Would you consider making a sound, a Lunarly sound pack? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've attempted in the past to start up that kind of thing, but I guess things just got too busy with touring and the album and everything like that. But I definitely would consider doing that in the future. I really hope so, because, I mean, I'd love to have some Lunarly sounds in my DAW <laughs> of choice. Um, yes. So, yeah, please, please consider that. It looks like we just got a raid from MJ Cole, by the way, in the chat. Um, thank you so much um, to everybody from MJ Cole's stream tuning in here. We've got Sounds by Rolando co-signing the idea for having a Lunarly sound pack. So, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's try nice. and make that happen. Um, we got a couple of questions from the audience. Um, John from the 516 says, Hi, Luna. Can you speak Korean? Good question. Um, despite being half Korean, I never learned as a kid. And so I've been trying to learn on my own. I've been doing Duolingo, which is probably a very inefficient way to learn a language, but it works for me because I can do a little bit every day. And I have like a 600 day streak at this point. So oh, nice. <laughs> keeping it going. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I understand a little bit, but it's still very basic. Awesome. I've, um, I have to confess, um, we recently adopted a dog and uh, the dog came from Korea and we were told to have, well, we had the dog to get her acclimatized to being in Canada to play Korean dramas. And so I've been quite hooked on uh, Korean drama. Oh my God. What have you been watching? Uh, hometown Cha Cha Cha. <laughs> Okay, I've never watched that one. It's fun. <laughs> it's really fun. Um, so if you yeah, need it. Kind of, me and my bandmate Sabrina started watching K dramas together over Zoom, like over the pandemic. We would do it like, especially in deep lockdown, like we were zooming like every night for hours watching K dramas. But uh, we did not watch that one. What's your recommendation for someone once wanted to get a good K drama in their rotation? The first one I ever watched was My Love from the Star, which I feel like is a really classic one that everybody loves. Okay, my love from the star. Star. Yeah. Okay. Right. Is that on Netflix? No, I don't think so. Um, we watched it on this K drama website, but I can't remember what it's called now. But oh. I'm sure if you look it up, you could find it. Yeah, we'll, fi <laughs> we'll find a way for sure. Um, Nazi Kipu, I'm really not sure if I'm saying that right, but um, has a question, and it's: uh, Do you believe in ghosts, and do you have any ghost stories? Oh my gosh. Um, I don't have any ghost stories personally. My boyfriend, Jacob, has a lot of ghost stories. Um, and I think he definitely believes in ghosts. And I guess because of his stories, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> ghosts are cute. I think ghosts are kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Very cool. And then um, I think your dad's suggesting to watch mine on Netflix. It's a thriller, apparently. So. Oh, he told me to watch that, but I haven't, I haven't okay. watched it yet. <laughs> I'm going to check that out. Thank you, um, yeah. Sunam Kim. <laughs> and um okay i think i think that's about it um is there anyone you want to shout out luna um there's so many people i could be <laughs> shouting out right now oh my gosh um i guess i will shout out my band um we just we just got off tour together and they're always so so excellent to tour with it's not Often you can find people that you don't mind being stuck in a van with for months on end, but I really don't mind it with them. <laughs> so shout out them, shout out to my team, shout out to my dad and chat um, and my family um, and shout out to you for having me today. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, before we go, I really want to play one more of your songs. It's one of my favorites off the record. Um, and real quick, it's called, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoiler alert. Um, it's called uh, What You're Thinking. And I just really, I noticed you just put a video out for it too. Great video, by the way. Was that shot in Los Angeles? It was. How was that? It. I was in LA in February uh, for about a month. And it was very last minute because the video came out like just over a week after we shot it. So it was like such a scramble to get it all together. But I'm so happy with how it turned out. It's so awesome. Um, I'm going to play, just play the song, but um, definitely check out the YouTube on, uh, sorry, check, check it out on YouTube. And we have one more question from John the 516, which is a really good one, I, and I'd really like to ask it too. If you weren't a musician, what would you do? 
that's such a hard question for me. I'm like, I've always known that I wanted to do music ever since I was a little kid. There was like just never another option for me. But I guess considering we've talked about like film and editing and stuff like that today, I would say maybe I would be doing something in film. I could see myself doing that. Otherwise, um, I could also see myself being a teacher, I think, because I really did enjoy teaching music over the last five years. Awesome. Yeah, shout out, yeah. People. Shout out teachers, though, runtime. Like, I think of especially in music, right? We get so yeah. much from them. So thank you. Absolutely. All the teachers. And thank you so much, Luna Lee, for your time today. Um, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. And I hope to see you again soon. I hope to see you on the road when you come to Vancouver or Los Angeles next time. Um, yes. So definitely, if, yeah, definitely check out Luna Lee's album. And we're going to wrap it up with um, the song, What You're Thinking of Luna Lee's new album, uh, Duality. So let me just play that. All right, guys. <laughs> see you later. Thank you. Thank you, Luna. <laughs> Just say